Let's get back to the next day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. And if you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you will find a, a group and a, the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And we are getting wind in our sails today from leadership innovation strategist, speaker, author, coach, husband, father, Carl Sharperson Jr. Dare I say good friend as well. Mr. Sharperson, it's been, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, sir. The pleasure is mine, man. I want to grow up and be just like you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm trying to be like you. So maybe we'll land somewhere in between and the world will be a better place for it. But um, I, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to talk to the audience directly before we hop into our conversation. So thank you for being on the show. The microphone, the stage, the podcast is yours. Uh, please address the folks uh, at home or on YouTube and let them know who you are, what you do, and we can get to chatting a little bit. Outstanding. Carl H. Sharperson, Jr., born in Washington, D.C., lived in Washington, D.C. for 14 years. Um, I'm the grandson of a Virginia tobacco sharecropper. Um, uh, lived in an environment where everybody looked like me at the age of 14. My dad decided to move us to Spotsylvania, Virginia, just south of Washington, D.C., where nobody looked like me. Uh, integrated school there, had a lot of life lessons about leadership and how do you uh, survive and thrive in an environment where you're not wanted? Took those learnings. Uh, my high school coach was the third most influential person in my life. He's the one that sent the recruiter to my high school to recruit me to play football at the Naval Academy. And I didn't know what the Naval Academy was. And it was only 90 miles up the road, primarily because there weren't a whole lot of people that looked like me. Tried to get in, could not get in because I was not academically competitive. They offered to send me to a prep school in Texas, learn to study for the first time, Entered the academy, played football, graduated, uh, entered the Marine Corps, was a pilot in the Marine Corps for five and a half years, flying off of ships all over the world, decided to get out of the Marine Corps after five and a half years, worked for Procter & Gamble in Albany, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio, for seven and a half years, primarily in manufacturing, engineering, and operations. Then I went to work for Frito-Lay in Indianapolis, Indiana for three years. Then I went to work for Colgate-Palmolive in Topeka, Kansas. For six years, I was a plant manager of a union facility uh, and learned in all the different environments that I've worked in, including unions and military, that everybody wants the same thing. They want to be loved, they want to be respected, and they want to be successful. Mm. Uh, after uh, being in, in Topeka, I wanted to live closer to family, so I took a job as the vice president of manufacturing for Dunlap Slauzinger in Westminster, South Carolina. Worked there for a year. My boss and I agreed to disagree. And then I uh, decided to start up my own business doing speaking, business consulting, executive coaching. Uh, and then I've authored two books, Sharp Leadership, Overcome Adversity to Lead with Authenticity, as well as Sharp Leadership, Parenting Principles for Rearing Young People. Um, I love the Lord. Uh, my role and goal is to help individuals and organizations gain clarity. That's the first thing. The second thing I do is allow them to get strategy and then the last thing I do is allow them or help them create a roadmap so that every day they are moving forward towards their goal. 
Been married 36 years. I have a 35-year-old son, lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a 32-year-old daughter that lives in Alexandria, Virginia. Glad to be here. It's fantastic. And and I, I must say, um, and I was saying in the pre-interview, you have been the, one of the most recurring guests I have personally had on a number of different platforms. The Modern Man, you've 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 given us your your time and expertise before. And we we speak a lot on the topic of leadership and overcoming adversity to lead with authenticity that's really embodied in the story that you've lived, which is which is why it's been so helpful and honestly a blessing to have your knowledge and expertise on this platform. And in, in researching you yet again for, for a third time, I wanted to touch on something that we haven't mentioned, right? I wanted to lean into something we might not have discussed in our previous interviews to give the audience something new. And I, I want to talk to the approach of the capacity of people and how they operate. Because I, I saw something you mentioned, most people are operating at 50% of their capacity. Um, why is that? And how do we tap into that other 50%? Because I can only imagine for anybody listening, the very first thing that could help them in life is learning how to tap into that other 50%. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is uh, a lot of people are working in an environment that they may be good at, but they don't like doing, right? 80% yeah. uh, of the people are working in careers that they did not go to school for. The other, the other thing that happens is because of the lack of leadership, I use the 80-20 rule a lot, I only believe that there are 20% of the leaders in any organization, in any part of the world, any career, that are good leaders. The other 80% other are not good leaders, in my opinion. Don't, don't share the same principles that I do. So, so you have a combination of somebody being in the wrong role and a combination of a leader not giving them good feedback and developing them. That's why they're only working at 50%. What changes if you could take somebody in the wrong role, put in that leader though, and you could change an organization. So I, I'd like to kind of attack the question in two areas. What changes with somebody in the wrong role, but the right leader? And then what's that magic sauce if you have somebody in the right role with the right leader? Exactly. So I'll start with the person that is... Um, not the leader, <laughs> the person that's the <laughs> underling or whatever you want to call it, right? So you you have to be, or you should be, in my opinion, you should realize that you don't work for man. Mm. You don't work for somebody else. I don't care if they're paying. You don't work for them. I work for the Lord, okay? So with that, I need to be clear about what my gifts are and what my talents are, right? Uh and I need, we need to be so confident in that. And I need to listen to what people say. But if they're saying some negative stuff, I'm not always taking that in, right? I, I want to listen, but at the same time, I'm going to kind of do, I'm going to put it in my mouth, chew it up. I'm going to spit out the bones and keep the nutriment. So the things that I can use, I'm going to keep. So if I'm not going to use, I'm going to spit it out and reject it, right? But you need to always be willing to listen to people that are different than you, that think different than you, uh, because you always want that feedback because that always helps you grow. So you need to be clear about what your gifts are and what you bring to the party and where you want to go. Okay. So no matter who you have above you, you should have that going on. 
right? Now, if you're the boss, the flip side is if I'm somebody's boss, I'm the person that's paying their paycheck or, or giving them development or leadership, I want to make sure I understand what they want to do and what they what their gifts are. That's important to me, to know what they are. I want to put them in the right world. I want to give them opportunities to maximize their potential, right? Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the two-edged sword of, of kind of the attack that. Yeah. Now, transitioning into the role that many folks might want, right? Because leadership is is one aspect that we often talk about in business. And I know the last time we all spoke, we were on the rooftop of Ink and Ivy in Greenville, South Carolina, and broke down how leadership is identifying who comes next. It's not pretty. And if you can't find leadership without, you find leadership within or create and cultivate that leadership within. But leadership shows up in so many different areas of our life. And I think we spoke, we, we spoke about business. I want to sp speak a little bit more about family today and how the men and some of the people listening and watching can cultivate some of that leadership for themselves. How does leadership differ in family versus in a traditional organization? That's a great question. Um, I did a workshop about a month ago uh, with some parents and a bunch of other people talking about my book. And I thought about it. And one of the things I came up with is if you're in, if you're, if you have a household or you have a family, the first thing you have to identify is who is the leader? Who is the leader of the family? Mm. Two leaders is a monster and zero leaders is a monster. You can only have one leader, one top of the, of the pecking order, right? Uh, and that doesn't mean that you don't listen to other people, but you got to have one head. When my wife and I got married or were thinking about getting married, one of the things that I was adamant about was we're going to agree on most of what we discuss. But at some point in time, if we don't, I get the tie-breaking vote. Mm. And she bought into that. So as a parent, you got to identify who's the head of your household. Now, in most households, that's clearly undefined, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you have some people that might be in the house that are supposed to be leaders, but they're absent, which means they're no leadership. Or you have um, some combination of, of, of that. That, that 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 doesn't show leadership. So once you show the leadership, then you because you, like you said before, I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast, but young people are looking at you twenty four seven. I can remember when I my dad told me this story. He used to come home at, at night. He's working third shift, and he'd come home. And the first thing he'd do is go to the refrigerator and pull out a beer. Mm. We pull out the beer. He popped the cap right. So he came home one day. And I was up. I saw him go to the refrigerator. He opened the refrigerator. We got the beer and did this. I said, Psh. he stopped drinking. <laughs> because, you know, you, you can't say, uh, I can drink this because I'm of age. And you can't, you know? So you got to be real careful what you do, what you say, especially men and boys. Mm. Boys emulate their dads. They want that encouragement. They want to be like the dad. You know, so that's what I'd say about that. It's interesting you said that because this past Christmas, it was just a small auxiliary gift I got my wife. We had, before we got married, we went through our family values and 
establish the values we want to build our family upon. I had it printed out into a word cloud and on canvas so we could hang it up in, in our, our apartment. And, you know, we're expecting our first child. And I laughed because I told her, you know, Hey, this is, this is hung up now out for the public. You know, our kids are going to call us out. If we're not living to these values, they're going to be the first ones to be like, mommy, daddy, we don't do this. Or we're supposed to live by faith. And we're supposed to, so you are a hundred percent right. But part of the reason I did that was I also told my wife, I said, Hey, this is our accountability. This is what's going to set us up. Our kids are going to check us and they're going to have this to check us with. And we want that. Uh, I'm interested to know that conversation you had with your wife, because I imagine a lot of folks watching or listening, they say, you know, I, I tried to have that conversation. It didn't work. I'm sure you exuded some, <laughs> some, uh, examples of leadership in order for your wife to just sign on board to sign on board she wasn't just like okay cool wherever you go i'm i'm down there must have been more of an example set before that conversation came about so i'd like to touch on that really quick for anybody that wants to jump the gun and say hey i'm the leader i got this what needs to happen to gain that trust to lead your family well one of the things that that i did before we got married my biggest child explain this uh I dated my wife for, I don't know, six months to a year. We fell out, right? And we didn't get back together and see each other again for about two years, right? So um, when, when, so she gave me an ultimatum once upon a time. She says, uh, am I marrying material? I need to know that. Because if I'm not, then I'm going to do something else, right? So I put a little bit of pressure on. So I had to blank or get off the pot, right? Mm -hmm. So my biggest fear was my thinking or my was that we weren't aligned in what we wanted to do in life. That was my biggest fear that we were not we were not aligned. So there's a guy named Dennis Waitley, and when I was at Procter and Gamble, he put on a seminar called Goldmine Training, and he talked about the seven pillars of life. Right, uh, we're talking finances. We're talking family. We're talking um, financial. We're talking um, uh, social. We're talking faith. We're talking career. Uh, and these seven principles are in everybody's life. So in the process, what he did in this workshop was we had to go through, uh, and you take those seven pillars, and you put them on a piece of paper. And then you start brainstorming what you want to do in your life, whatever you want to do in your life. So let's say I want to, I want to have six kids. Okay. Put that under family. Let's say I want to own, go to a social club. Okay. Put that under social. Let's say I want to make a million dollars, put that under finance. Say I want to uh, be healthy, put that under physical. Right? So you do that. You just brainstorm. You spend some time brainstorming. At some point in time, you stop brainstorming. Things kind of dry up. Maybe a day, two, three week, whatever. Okay. That's the first step. Second step is you prioritize those items in the columns. So let's say you got a career. Number one career is to have flexibility. Number two is to have um, the ability to uh, do my own thing, whatever it is. Anyway, so you have seven pillars with, with them ranked in priority one through whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the next step. The next step is you go look at all that stuff you have laid out and you say, okay, what are the top three things that are most important to me right now? Right. 
And that's what you kind of work on and get the 80-20. But so anyway, so we went through that. And I had my wife do that um, by herself. And when I saw it, I saw that, wow, we want the same thing. So from that platform, I had an idea that we wanted kind of the same thing. And, um, and you know, she bought into the fact that a man is the head of the household, you know, if the man does what the man's supposed to do. <laughs> so, <That> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's, that's kind of, kind of how we did it. Yeah. Well, I think what was so fantastic about that was we want the same thing and the, the value I take from that is understanding what you wanted to start and your wife understanding what she wanted. And then that just becomes a conversation is like, are you going to get us there or am I going to get us there? Right. Cause we've already done away with well, where are we going to go? What's going to happen? We want the same thing. We know where we're going. So are you going to get us there or, or am I going to get us there when it comes to leadership and family? And you did mention, you know, if the man's doing what he's supposed to do, um, there is an importance of building, um, I would say that communication, building that foundation for what one day, God willing, would be the introduction uh, of, of a child. How did the foundation for, for you, your family, or how would someone build a foundation to welcome in a child into the world? Because we've heard before, you know, the baby's not a Band-Aid. And just having a kid isn't going to change whatever's going on in the relationship. So if anyone thinks, oh, well, we'll be better when a kid comes into play, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenge towards that thought process and that mentality. How do you build that environment, build that partnership for welcoming in a child? Well, I think it starts with the, the two, the parents being on the same page, uh, agreeing to uh, be on the same page when that child comes in. Um, because your child will, and I think it's human nature. If the parents are not on the same page, the child will pit the parents against each other. And that's the worst thing that you can have happen. Right. Yeah. So at some point in time, you gotta, you gotta go in with a united front, even if you don't agree, but you gotta go in on a united front. Right. Now that's tough when you have two parents under the same household. Now, you start talking about blended families and divorced families and all sort of kind of stuff, it adds another level of complexity. Mm -hmm. So now not only do you have to be on the same page, that ex and their husband need to be on the same page, you're know, saying the same thing. And really, the probability of that happening is pretty slim. It's real slim. But it's that's 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 what needs to be done in order to have healthy kids. Um that you know that 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 are you know, that that are going to be good stewards of time and healthy mentally and physically and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. And we just want to raise good people, right? And and, and good good young children. Yeah, the other thing I want to say about that too, Ted, is um, there's only there's two people in this world that I am responsible for. My wife and I are responsible for two people. If it wasn't for us, they would not be here, right? So with that. I, I need to understand that, treat them like that, and live my life like that. Mm. That's my thing, right? Yeah. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be some tough love. I'm not going to give them everything they want because that's not healthy. But I got to understand that my number one obligation outside of God is to make sure that they get what they need 
to be productive and healthy uh, as they can. Yeah. And, and a lot of this questioning, um, and I've been very transparent in the, in the fact that, you know, my wife and I expecting our first kid, which is uh, why I'm using this platform to have this discussion in terms of, of family growth, leadership within the family, and also with your, your most recent book, Sharp Leadership, Parenting Principles for Rearing Young People. Um, what was the inspiration for the writing of that book? What was the inspiration for you putting your knowledge and your experience through parenting into written form? That's a great question. Uh, I wrote my first book and after my first book was out, people would say, do you have another book in you? And I said that if I was going to write another book, it would be about my children and the stories about them. So during the pandemic, I saw so many parents struggling with the rearing of their kids. It just, it was just in my face. Everything was uh, magnified. So on the 3rd of August of last year, I went in for a routine colonoscopy, was diagnosed with colon cancer, and uh, had six inches of my colon taken out. During that time period is when I wrote my book. Uh, I put it to pen and wrote the book. And it was, it was in my head because it's all stories about my kids. And just like my first book, the way I live my life is this happened. What did I learn? And what can I do differently? So these are stories about my kids. Their name's not in them, but it's all stories about them except for one. And my experience, my wife's experience, and their experience. Um, my wife and I substitute taught in the school system for about 15 years. Uh, in my book, I talk about a process on how do you have a conversation with the teacher. That's a win-win situation, you know? And if you are a parent and you are not engaged with their education, it doesn't make any difference, really, if you're homeschooled. You can homeschool. You still got to make sure that they're getting what they need. Charter schools, same thing. Public schools, same thing. It doesn't make any difference. The parents, in my opinion, have to be involved. They need to know what they want that child to do. They need to know and make sure that child it gets it. And it's not going to be an easy road, but that's important. Being consistent with what you do, what you say, and how you say that is very important. Uh, I talk about leaving the nest. How do you prepare your children so that when they're 18 years old, they're able to have all the skills that they need to leave your house, right? They need to be able to manage their money. They need to have healthy relationships. They need to know how to find the Lord and, and worship with people. They need to be able to manage their money. They need to have good work ethic. They need to have good communication skills, writing skills. They need to have all that stuff when they leave your home. Uh, and even if you send them off to a quote-unquote Christian school, there are always wolves in sheep's clothes. <laughs> uh, the book is what I call a life, a, a playbook for, 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 for rearing a child in life. It talks about how you make every situation a teachable moment. Every time that child does something or there's some activity, make it a learning experience, right? Mm. It talks about social media, mental health, bullying, and it talks about living a healthy lifestyle. You know, I was um, talking to a lady uh, about three or four months ago. She's a bank uh, president, and she said, um, I just opened up my first account without making eye contact to the client. 20-year-old Clemson student, never made eye contact. Mm. That's pandemic type stuff. 
You know, so folks are doing this. No social awareness, you know. So um, I talk about how do you avoid that? You know, there ought to be certain times that a child does not have a phone because there's there's certain times that they need to go to bed and get some rest and get some sleep. Uh, But anyway, I've got all that in my book. My take on, you know, how to do it. Yeah. What would you say from, I guess, your experience um, as as much as you can share a little bit on the podcast for anybody uh, myself included who will be looking down the pipeline of of raising young adults at some time um what would you say was the biggest lesson lesson and the biggest blessing from parenting probably the biggest lesson um when i was writing my book i started writing my book and uh, i found out about five about five years ago i had some conversations with my children and I found out that I was not a perfect parent. Mm. That was new. I didn't know that. I thought this was good job. Yeah, you're like, I did all right. <laughs> so, so and, and so the biggest learning is um, just being able to listen. Mm. Uh, you know, there were some things that went on in our house. You know, this is always hindsight. Then I wish I had listened a little bit more and paid a little bit more attention. Because there are things that went on at certain periods of time, and it's just a blur. I don't remember it. <laughs> you yeah. know, because when you that that's the value of grandparents. Because grandparents, they got a whole different perspective. You know, they 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 know the lessons and they're saying, wow. And then all they got to do is love on them and give them back. You know, they have to be in, they don't have to provide for them, do none of that stuff. And that's one of the things that's not happening now. There used to be generational learning. At the barbershop, on the porch, at the table, uh, that, that's 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 not that's not there anymore. Everybody's so fast paced, and everybody's got separate this, separate this. So there's no generational learning. Yeah, and I even remember in the neighborhood, come sundown, if I'm on my bike, you know, my neighbor a block down would be like, "You better go home to your mom before I call her." Like you have. You know, the whole, it takes a village. <laughs> like I could have gotten, I could have gotten whooped by anybody on the block if I was acting out. And I could look back and say, if I did, I deserved it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, what was the biggest blessing? Biggest blessing. The biggest blessing was probably to um, see my, see my children matriculate and um, have, they know the Lord. They love the Lord. They live healthy lifestyles. They build good relationships. Um, so all the things that I, they're, they're, they're what I would want to see as, if I could say, well, this is, so they they came out or living the life that I'm really proud of. So that's probably the biggest learning that yeah. the stuff does work. And, I, and again, I was mulling through. And as I was mulling through, one of the things that I was listening to Tony Robbins, I think it was, and um, you know, he talks about learning from the best of the best. So as I was navigating with my kids, I would always identify parents that I thought did a good job with their kids. There was a couple in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, Floyd and Jackie, and um, they had three kids. One was um, one got a PhD in physics, one was a lawyer, and one was uh, got an MBA at Wharton. They all graduated from Howard undergrad, right? Mm-hmm. So they were in. They were in college when I met the parents, right? And they talked about what they did to get them to that level. And there were certain things that they that they did. One was when they had parent-teacher conferences, they would have their child there. 
and the child was expected to listen and be a part of the conversation. Okay. Um, the other thing that they did was they had a pool table in their basement and everybody in the neighborhood wanted to come over to their house to play pool. So Jackie had them over the house. They were always there. So she was pouring her values into the neighbor's kids as opposed to allowing somebody else mm -hmm. to pour the values in the kids. So she's vetting the kids that her kids are, are, are around, right? Today, you got kids going to the neighbor's house. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know? So that's a very strategic thing that I saw. Those two things are examples of what I saw of how do you rear healthy and happy, productive uh, young people. Yeah. And I mean, I think of my parents who every time I'm like, I'm going to so-and-so's house. Whose house? Uh, Jonathan's house. Who, where's Jonathan's parents? I need to talk to him. I need, right. My parents would always want to speak to the parents of whoever's house I was going to and, and things like that. And, and you just brought up an interesting point, which I think is so huge because I think I'm learning this in life. And I'm going to take out the, I think I'm going to speak intentional here. I am learning in this in life. I spent my whole life going to school even playing football, I had a coach. I had a teacher teach me academics. And after I graduated and entered the real world, I identified most people don't know what they're doing. And because of that, I've leaned into mentorship. I've leaned into others. I've leaned into books to help me advance through life. And what was once thought of just self-development and, and business, business mentorship, you just mentioned parenting mentorship, seeking others that have done well have done a good job with their kids defined the same way who has the result that you want ask them what they've done i guess touch on that really quick in terms of the humility it takes to ask someone else how to raise your kids because i think a lot of people can get defensive my kids my kids i could raise them how i want to which yes you have every right to do so but the humility it takes to look at somebody else and say hey what'd you do and how can I apply that to me? Yeah, well, I think it's it, it, it's it really speaks to the character of the person that needs the help. And this example of, of looking for parenting mentorship or a career mentorship or spiritual mentorship doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. um, the best, and this is one of the things that I wanted my, one of the most valuable lessons I think you can teach or impart on your children or anybody else in this world is being willing to seek and accept feedback <laughs> and learning, right? So it all starts with that because, so if you don't do that, that means you think you know everything. That's a problem. That's a big problem, you know? Yeah. And if you think about it, if you think about somebody that uh, you have a lot of respect for, you could just meet them or you've known them for a long time. Right. One of the things that exudes that I've seen, I've noticed over time is all those individuals are very humble mm. and they, they will talk more about me than about themselves. You know, that's 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 a commonality. Now, the flip side of that is if I meet you for the first time and all you're talking about is I, 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 me, 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 then I'm going to treat you like my, my mother said, I'm going to treat you with a long handled spoon. <laughs> because You got issues. You, you think you run the world. That's a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not willing it's, to learn it certainly is it certainly is being willing to learn and and i'll, I'll be honest here we're, we're almost coming up on our time but this is an important question i want to make sure i ask just because you know being just attentive into the world looking at 
really the, I guess, some of the volatility we live in. Sure, inflation's crazy. There's divisiveness going on. Um, you know, there are some people who might not be as optimistic as my wife and I in in terms of welcoming children into this world. Um, but even with the realities of what's going on, I know having kids, kids see it, kids experience it, unfortunately. And navigating adversity is one thing when you can communicate with your partner, you could articulate the hardships, knuckle up and go through what needs to get done. But I imagine it's different when you're maybe speaking to a child, someone in their adolescence. How can you show up through adversity and articulate challenges to, to kids? And I know you mentioned making it a teachable moment. I'm interested to hear a little bit more on that. That's a great, um, that's a great point. Uh, I'll start with one of the most important things you can do, in my opinion, and I didn't do it with my kids, but if I could go back and do it, I would do it. And that would be teach them a personal vision statement. And they say that vision statement when they get up in the morning and when they go to bed. And what it does is it, it puts positivity, and who they are in them every day to help combat some of the negativity that they're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm not that person you say I am. It's not what you call me. It's what I answer to that's important. You know, so you, a simple vision statement, you know, as long or as short as you want it to be, and you say it with the child. Maybe you take them to, you, you, and it's, it's so powerful because the mind is where it starts. Mm -hmm. And if you can get some positive stuff in the mind on a daily basis, it makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, oh, and then the other thing is there's certain things that you can tell your child or not tell your child depending on the situation as well as depending on their age. So you have to communicate what's age appropriate, right? Now, here's the trick that is so difficult today. One of the things that's so difficult today, you talked about your parents wanting to know who the parents were when you visited somebody's house, okay? So now and today, do you know all of your friends, all of your kids' friends who have a phone that has access to anything that they want? <laughs> That's the game changer. That's the game changer. So with that, you know, you got to understand that, right? And deal with that. You know, there are ways to do it, but it's, it's you know, it's a lot... It's, 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 you know, the same process, but you got a different tool that you got to deal with. Yeah, that's a complete game changer in parenting in the 21st century, which ugh, that's where my gray hairs have come into play. I don't even have kids yet. <laughs> I don't even have kids yet. Uh, what would you say is, and I, I think this is kind of a serve-up question where I know the answer, but what's been the most important, important leadership role you've found yourself in? The most important leadership role, uh, I think, being a husband and a father. Yeah, that's uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for a couple of people. You know, yeah. <laughs> when I work in, when I work for Procter and Gamble or Frito Lay, you know, I didn't create them. And I don't owe them nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the, the thing about it is, family relationships are some of the toughest to deal with. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're talking. Parent, you're talking 
husbands, husband and wife, parents and children, in-laws and outlaws, cousins, exes, steps. Uh, if you if you just do the research on a family business, nine times out of ten, third generation, the business explodes. Wow. You got an uncle, you I mean you got a cousin or a brother or somebody that just doesn't want to do right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow we got we got a pee in the pudding or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna close with one more question. Um, yes, La last question is we're coming up on our time, you know. And we mentioned earlier, we laughed and alluded to the fact, you know, a lot of men they want to be the leader of their family if if they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, I want to speak to our audience because I know. Our audience are ambitious men looking to be their best selves, step up, show up for their families, their communities. What are some of the quick quick tips, maybe some advice you would give to any man out there who wants to uh, be a leader of their family, who wants to show up for their family and do good for the community around them? Yeah, it's, it's um, I don't say it's easy to do, but there's a lot of opportunities. Um, it's important to be on the same page with your wife. Mm -hmm. There's so many, there's so many things that can happen today that you never had to worry about 50, 60, 70 years ago. For example, you know, once upon a time, a man married a wife. Okay, so they're married. Um, they had very distinct roles. The mother bore the children, took care of the house, took care of the kids. The husband went out and farmed and or killed and provided for the family. Very clear and defined roles. They needed each other. They needed each other. Let's fast forward to today. Wife's making good money. Husband's making good money. Wife says, I don't need you. I don't need your money. I can do what you do. I'm making the bread. I'm the husband say I can take care of so anyway so you got those unclear roles that's why you gotta you gotta clear up the roles and make sure that you're on the same page now that doesn't mean the roles can't change because you could be in an environment where uh both both parents are working right husband loses his job wife's making good money kids need to be taken care of okay let's work this thing out and do what we need to do to get through this thing vice versa and it doesn't make any difference how you do it. You got to be on the same page and have the kids and the family uh, as the first priority. I love that because I've identified, you know, weaknesses and strengths with between my wife and I, where she has the 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 gift of of the correspondence. I, I'll call it, where, let's say, case in point, we had a flight, our wedding that was kind of rerouted. We had to get tickets back airline saying, nope, we're not giving the tickets back. I do a couple calls. I talk to a couple of people. They say, nope, nope, nope. I came to the end of my rope. Last email I got in, I was like, oh, it's a no. My wife said, oh, no, 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 no. She cracks her knuckles. She sits down on the keyboard. At that point in time, her area of expertise. <laughs> At that point in time, I'm cheering her on. <laughs> Go ahead, send that email, send the correspondence. I'll give you the number let her operate in her expertise because what she does, she gets the amount of those tickets in voucher form two weeks later, because that's what she does. 
but to your point, it's finding out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, how you accentuate that, how you can help each other out towards the same goal of that outcome, and you can execute together. It's not about gender roles. It's about strength roles. It's about where do we operate in the best and get the most fruit out of our labor for, for putting this in. I, I love that. And, and I want to make sure, as I've mentioned, we've, we've had you on the podcast um, one way or another two, three times. And that's just because just from your intro alone, we could have spoken about your time at the Marine Corps. We could have talked, spoken about your time in corporate leadership, your mm-hmm. consultation. I know we spoke a lot about family leadership today, but this is just the tip of the iceberg to the breadth of your knowledge and your expertise. So I want to make sure that our audience has a way to contact you, get in touch with you, read your book, uh, both books, and also uh, utilize your expertise if needed. So Carl Sharperson Jr., how do folks connect? You froze on me. Yeah, I think I'm back now. Yeah, I think think I'm back now, but um, and my editor could cut that out. But um, yeah, Carl Sharperson Jr., how do folks connect with you? Okay, great. Um, I'm easy to find. You can just Google my name, Carl H. Sharperson Jr. Uh, My website is www.carlsharpersonjr.com. I have two books that if you go to Amazon and just Google my name, they'll pop up. There are other books that I've added um, commentary to and done a chapter to or something like this. But these are two books that uh, I wrote from zero to, uh, you know, my life, uh, my experiences. The good thing about those books are um, nobody can can say that it's not true. Uh, It's my take on what I saw at the time. And they're both very good self-help books. In other words, after each chapter, it asks you questions. What did you learn? What are you going to do differently? Uh, I've had homeless people, military leaders read my first book. Uh, my daughter wrote the foreword in my second book, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, and uh, I've had young educators read it and rave about it. I've had teachers of the year read it and rave about it. Uh, I had a 16-year-old read it. 16-year-old told me that uh, they really liked the parenting book. But the part or the piece that she liked more than anything else was the fact that I made a public apology to my children in the book. 16 year old. <laughs> she probably like they like seeing that. <laughs> They're like, <Right>. ooh. <laughs> yeah. If if and if uh, somebody listens to my podcast, give me a call. I'll give you a free coaching session. Uh, see how I can help you. Uh, because based on all the different environments I've lived in, there are a lot of common things that are in common. And I'm able to um, see things slash give examples and experiences of um, of things that I've done and learned in a lot of different arenas. So I, I love to help people. That's my that's my rolling goal. Uh, one of the, I think it was uh, Napoleon Hill talked about a man can do nothing better than to wake up every day with a worthy goal. Mm-hmm. So even if, and I talk about this in my book, even if you are wealthy and your children never have to work for income, in other words, they're sleeping, but they're making income of more than they can spend. Even if you have a child like that, 
that child needs to be able to get up every day and find purpose in their life. Mm. Deion Sanders, his goal in life was to win a Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. After that, he says, wow, is this all it is? Ran his Mercedes off of Ravine, tried to kill himself, right? And you can see that same scenario can happen to young people that are given everything that aren't clear about what their purpose is in life and what value they bring in life. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, my last question, um, usually a heavy one, and with the, the experiences you've had, I'm interested to know what the answer for this question is going to be. Um, what is something you've seen or something that's happened to you in your life that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Uh, probably, probably the biggest thing is when I was, um, it's a lot of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the, the the first one again is overcoming adversity. It's when I was went from an environment where people, well, I knew everybody, to an environment where nobody knew me and they didn't want me there. Okay, being in that environment because I could not get out, and and having to learn how to navigate that taught me a lot about people. And I learned, you know, again, everybody wants the same thing. They want to be loved, they want to be respected, and they want to be successful. Doesn't make any difference what color you are. Um, doesn't make any difference what your nationality is. So, you know, one of the things I always remember as I'm dealing with people is I remember that. So if somebody is saying or doing something that's not nice to me or whatever, I don't take it personal. Mm -hmm. I know that they have issues. I don't know what they are, but I know they have issues. And I'm not taking that burden on me. That's their issue, you know? And yeah. all I can do is love on them. And that that dog will hunt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they have a little problem. That sounds like a personal problem. I'm a love on you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, this this has been amazing. And I, I know that our, our audience got so much value from these past 45 minutes. And and I just want to recap some of the tips that you, you left along the way. But first, uh Mr. Sharperson Judy, I want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for um being a, a constant North star in my life. Every time we talk, I, I get, I get guidance. I get mentorship. Um, and my first introduction to you was the book sharp leadership, overcoming adversity with uh, to lead with authenticity. That was my introduction to you. And then meeting you in person ever since has been nothing, um, but a pleasure, a benefit and an honor. So I just want to say thank you for that. Well, thank you for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, hopefully I get a lot of hits. I'm, I'm actually give out my phone number. 864-207-0542. And I'll leave your audience with this. You get not because you ask not. <laughs> hey, that's fantastic. Right after the number was left down. So I think you guys know what to do <laughs> right then and there. <laughs> Carl Sharperson, Judy, this has been fantastic. And, and what you started off with is what I'm going to start with in terms of, of the tips and, and just breaking it down. Loved, respected, and successful. We all have the same necessity and want in life. And it's to be loved, respected, and successful. 
wrong role, no leader. So many of us are operating at 50% of our capacity because we don't have the right leadership in front of us. So we're not operating in that right role. Just imagine what happens when you find the role that you're meant to be in. You execute your talents and imagine what happens when you're in that right role with the right leader and the output that you can put in and the effectiveness you can experience. When it comes to family, identify who the leader is in the family. Two leaders is a monster. No leader is a monster. This becomes even true when you introduce a kid into it. Now, if you're striving to be the leader of the family, what have you done to show the example of leadership? And also understand that young people will be watching you 24-7. You need to be consistent. You also have to be authentic and identify the principles in life that you fall into. Those seven principles that he shared, brainstorm on them, prioritize them, find your three and identify where it is you want to go. And that partner that you have, make sure you both want the same thing. And when you identify that you want the same thing, you live by the same values, it just becomes a question of who is going to take us there. The biggest lesson is being able to listen through parenting, through leadership, and then being on the same page, having a united front, especially when kids come into play because the kids <laughs> Human nature will divide you if you are not on the same page. And then identify the parents or identify the kids that your kids are hanging out with. Identify their parents. Leaning into parents who have done well with their kids as well. Stepping into that humility and learning from others and how you could show up better is a great way to grow. Because as we went through before, being willing to seek and accept feedback. It's going to be the huge game changer to help you grow. And then teaching kids your personal statement or their personal statement, saying with them in the morning and in the evenings to help mute some of the noise that society will provide them through life. And then the mind is where it starts. If you start with your kid's mind, start with your mind, continue to grow. You ask not because you have not. There is a number on this podcast that you can call for somebody to help you out through the adversity in your life and to lead with authenticity. With that being said, we would love you to be the leader in your circle by sharing this with some people that you know can get value from it. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. That truly is the best compliment you can give us. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. You can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day. I think we're gonna do a great job.